0: Hook'em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Good, bad, and ugly on a Monday. There was plenty of all three over the weekend. And it's going to be a good night for sports, too. Longhorn basketball, after that uh, buzzer-beater thrilling win over Louisville yesterday, they're going to get the defending national champs tonight, UConn. The long-arm yeah. defenders. This will be a big challenge for Texas. They're, They're only six-point
1: dogs, I think. Yeah. I'm surprised. Well, well, look,
0: what you hope is yesterday's performance was uh, the first against real competition, right? They've beaten the likes of Rice and Incarnate Word and off to their 3-0 and start. But this was, you know, Louisville was only a four-win team a year ago, but... They you – know, in college basketball, like like college football now, Rod, you just don't know what a team's going to be year to year. Yep. And Louisville added a bunch of guys out of the portal, and their leading score yesterday was a Illinois transfer. They had a Michigan State transfer. So, a better team. But Texas struggled with their – with the outside shooting. Because, uh, look, you, you, if you tell anybody about this Texas basketball, you know, if they shoot two of 17 from three, they're going to lose. <laughs> that was ugly. But to quality opponents because – and how much of it was – good defense, and how much was it Was just a cold night? I, You know, watching the game, it kept feeling to me like uh, they were settling for the – because they were playing on the Knicks court, right? So you had the two different three-point lines. You had the college line and the pro line, and they kept settling for shots outside the pro line.
1: Yeah, it's like, come on, man. Was, I don't know if that was
0: confusing them or something, or they just were in the flow of the game. That's just what they were uh, – so Max A. was two for ten from three. Um, I- Ethel Horton, who's been the sharpshooter so far uh, for the kid from from Central Florida, he was zero for three. Tyrus Hunter was zero for two. Uh, it's two for seventeen night from three. But they also uh, they were getting out rebounded. There was a point in the game where the Longhorns was getting out hustled. I mean, the second mm-hmm. chance points, yeah. rebounds, uh, and and the, the the biggest concern for me for Texas that I took from the win was their defense. Um, Louisville was able to attack them off the dribble drive and really get to the paint whenever they wanted, and that's why they shot 31 free throws, Rod. Uh, Defense, Mm -hmm. and that's a concern just looking at the roster that they do have kind of smallish guards when they go Max Smith and Tyrese Hunter, and then, um, you know, Dylan DeSue still not on this team right here, not playing for this team, but uh, that that defense, you can't let teams get in the paint that easily and uh, live at the foul line, which they did. Now, Texas was playing a team who was like a sixty percent foul shooting team coming in, and they made twenty seven of thirty one foul shots. Like there was a stretch yeah. where a guy who shot thirty three percent, but uh, they had a good shooting day. Texas, uh, had Texas did terrible not terrible shooting day. Uh, they because yeah because Louisville was ten was seven for sixteen from three. Texas made just two. Uh, they outshoot free throw Texas, so uh, yeah, I think you will get a a more inspired Texas team, and the fact that they won that game as a seventeen point yeah. favorite. By a, by a a bucket, you take that because Max Ace has made a big shot. See if he can carry that into the Knights game.
1: Yeah, it's going to be Yeah, – it'll be interesting to see uh, if they can rebound. I, I'm a little surprised that they are just a six-point dog, but I think UConn lost a lot too. But I think Oh, we, they did.
0: They yeah. did. And but I think
1: UConn – yeah, I mean, they're UConn. <laughs> it's more just faith in UConn, the brand, more than anything.
0: And Dan Hurley's a good coach, obviously, national coach of the year last year, won the national championship, for crying out loud. Uh, that team's really good. Uh, but that's your challenge, right? That's why you agreed to play in this uh, Empire Classic, and the Longhorns will get their, their biggest challenge by far. And this is the kind of team you're going to play when you get to Big 12 play, right? You're going to be playing the Baylors and the Houstons and the Kansases of the world. national
1: title Continu- Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: you know, there are three four teams in the Big 12 that think they can win the national title this year. Longhorns would like to be among them. They'll certainly have to play a lot better than they did yesterday, but they did get the W. Also, the Longhorn football team, obviously. We talked about it all morning. Um, Ten-win season for the first time in a long time. Uh, can I play you a piece of sound, Rod, that I think can pertain to the Longhorns a little bit here, too? Because I think it's a yes, really sir. good piece. We'll do our who said that before the end of the hour. But I'll tell you who said this. Uh, because the Cowboys won yesterday. Dak Prescott didn't have to do a lot. Two touchdown passes, one to C.D. Lamb, threw for 189 yards. But the Cowboys' defense just threw a blanket over Bryce Young yeah. and the Panthers. Uh, they only gained 189 yards total That's crazy in an NFL game. Domination. Uh Scored a touchdown on the Deron Bland pick six. It was 33-10. to 10. Cowboys have played five or six of these games this year that are just – they're not even interesting. They're no, so you gotta one-time. turn them off. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just too ugly. The Cowboys have a point differential of plus one twenty seven this year, with a forty two to ten loss to San Francisco on the record.
1: It's unbelievable.
0: That's amazing. It that, is amazing. Uh, and so it feels like the Cowboys are getting better uh, as the year goes. But, but they won't know until they face a stretch. more high
1: level opponent.
0: Yeah, that yeah. stretch right from November thirtieth, where they play Seattle. And then through Philadelphia and Miami and Detroit, I mean, they're going to be playing some high-level teams through the month of December. Playoff teams. Playoff teams, yeah. That's when we'll know. And, that's, and we said that right after they lost to the Eagles, that you know what, you got to put that game behind you. you got three way winnable games against the Giants, Panthers, and now the Commanders on Thanksgiving, Rod. And um, Commanders, there's talk that Ron Rivera is on the hot seat in Washington with the new ownership group. And there were those in Washington I read overnight, Rod, that they were so bad in the loss to the Giants yesterday. That Giants team that we've seen. Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Tommy
1: DeVito. Beat
0: right. Washington and scored 31 points. That doing it. He's still
1: living with his parents.
0: Uh, that, <laughs> and, you know, you know, Magic Johnson's now part of that ownership group, and he's talked about that team not coming with energy. They didn't yesterday. And then there's those who believe that Ron Rivera may, be, may have been fired if this weren't a short week ahead of Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, that he's basically a foregone conclusion. He's done. He's yeah. Done. The, okay.
0: It's just you can't do that on a short week. Uh, but if the Cowboys handle business on, on Thursday, hmm. he could be gone because then you have 10 days, right, for an interim coach. Eric Biennium. Eric, I would say Eric Bieniemy might get a shot here. He might get a shot. Hell, so, Kelly
1: Moore might get a shot, too.
0: It's oh my with, God. with Brandon
1: Staley and the Chargers. He might get a shot.
0: Can I just say that the Chargers are such a joke? They are. With s- all their talent. Brandon good. Staley. They gave up a 300-yard passing game to the Packers. They might be the most disappointing team. Honestly, considering the talent level of the quarterback, defense.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I
0: mean, come on, man. (laughs) Jordan Love can't throw for 200 yards. He's throwing for three bills on your defense? On your D.
1: And your D's supposed to. Have, your D's like one of the most expensive defenses, salary cap wise, in the NFL. You spend more money on your D than ninety-five percent of the league.
0: And Packers fans were kind of mad at it because they want them to move on from Jordan Love.
1: And they're like, now you like it look good. Games like that hurt, <laughs> man. What are we doing? Like we're try, we're Don't believe the a- hype.
0: <laughs> uh, but then it was just. And by the way, it was there's twenty-three to twenty. Um, the, the Chargers had a chance to go down and try to uh, kick a game-tying field goal. Mm-hmm. And Justin Herbert stepped up in the pocket and hit Quentin Johnston, the the rookie out of TCU, yeah. in stride in his hands down the sidelines. That would have at least might have been a walk in touchdown if he catches it cleanly, and certainly would have set up a field goal attempt for Cameron Dicker to tie the game. Dropped it, right Dropped in his hands. Come on, man. Dropped it. Chargers hugely disappointing. Uh, but among the the most uh, surprising teams and the most uh, uh, pleasant surprises, the Houston Texans. Uh, beaten up on the uh, Arizona Cardinals, Be- not beaten up on. They should have won by a lot more. They had four times in the red zone that they came away with no points. C.J. Stroud threw three interceptions for the first time in his life. Yeah, and Houston won the game though, Rod. Twenty-one to sixteen. We talk about this with this Longhorn team that they're resilient, and the defense. After remember, the last two weeks, it was the offense that bailed out the defense with C.J. Stroud, you know, beating the Bengals and beating the Buccaneers mm-hmm. with with game-winning drives. Uh, this time the defense stepped up after those C.J. Stroud interceptions and got stopped both times to preserve a five-point victory for Houston. But I wanted to play this for you. This was interesting. I found this over the weekend. And I think it's a good lesson for the Longhorns too with a short week and all that comes with the, the distraction of Thanksgiving. This was cool. C.J. Stroud was a guest on the Tom Brady podcast that he does with Jim Gray. Okay. And so what you'll hear here is Jim Gray – you know, you'll hear us ask CJ Stroud if he has any questions for Tom Brady before they wrap up the interview. And uh, this is pretty cool from Tom Brady talking to a young emerging star at the quarterback position. You got anything you'd like to ask Tom before we go, CJ?
2: Yeah, man. I would just ask, like, when you started playing well, what was the process of um, your mentality? Like, how did you stay on a straight and narrow? Um, Even like, you know, you have people reaching out and uh, family and, like, the, just the world around you seems like it's spinning and you're just trying to stay focused and stay in a, on a straight and narrow. I think the important thing I really want you to realize, this is now your job. Everyone, when they come to the game, it's a vacation, it's fun for them. Oh, my God, we're here to watch, you know, C.J. play. For you, you know, you don't bust in on your on your friends at their job. And, you know, when they're trying to be really focused and do what they need to do, hey, can I interrupt you? Hey, I know there's a really busy time for you, but let's go do something fun. Or, you know, you don't need to be the source of people's entertainment over the course of the season. This is, it's not college anymore. The earlier you get it in your mind that this is a profession and you're a professional and everyone is counting on you and you can't have a bad day like Coach Day taught you. And you're in an organization where D'Amico is a great coach, Um, Nick Cesario, you know, I've got a long relationship with you know, all these guys are counting on you. It's not, it's fun. The process of winning is fun. You know, the memories you're going to have from a great season are fun. The games are fun. The practice, the camaraderie is fun. You know, trying to create fun for everybody else outside of that isn't your responsibility. You're not camp counselor for everyone's fun activities. You're out there trying to perform, trying to dig deep for your teammates. And that requires intense focus for a long period of time. There's discipline that starts the beginning in August all the way through the end of the season.
0: Wow, I love that. Isn't that good? Man, it's so good. Great advice. And I say that because – It's so true, know, though. And you could even hear C.J. Stroud in his question that, you know, the hype is building and you know he's hearing from all his boys and all his friends and that's normal. That's hard for a young person, right, Rod? Right? I mean, you're now the yeah. center of attention and how do you stay – and I thought Brady's advice was right on point. This is your profession. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't you don't barge in your buddy's office when he's in the middle of a big job, big project while he's trying to, you know, do his job. That's good. I, I would say that for the Longhorns, because this can be a distracting week. Right. You just won 10 games. You're in the college football playoff. It's Thanksgiving. Family's going to be coming up for this game. It's Texas Tech. Uh, Longhorns have to treat this week like a because you can. it's easy to be not easy. It's I think it's easier to take a road trip like Iowa State where there's bulletin board material and it's you against the world, and Mm -hmm. it's just let's tunnel vision this game and let's get a victory. Uh, This is the kind of week with a lot on the line that can become a distraction, Rod, because uh, family's coming in town, and I know Sarkin. This this is a week with a short week, uh, Texas Tech coming in with nothing to lose. Uh, This is one of those really intense focus weeks for the Longhorns.
1: Yeah, it's a classic trap game. Right, I mean, it's everything about this game says trap because, uh, you know, for Texas Tech they can save their season by ruining yours. Uh, you know, Tech has put in a lot of time in this game. They've been talking trash about it for the entire season, even in the off season. Right? Yeah, they got special
0: packages for this uh, yeah, game. Exactly right.
1: Uh, and they got nothing to lose. I mean, why not throw everything at the damn wall? On CB6? Texas got a lot to lose, a lot on the line. If you're Texas Tech. You're trying to play spoiler at this point, and you can do that in, in a number of different ways. Uh, you know, and also, like you said, you're short week. Uh, there are tons of distractions out there with the family coming in town, and everybody's going to be patting you on the back, talking about how great you are because it's the best team Texas has since 2009. And yes, Mac Brown would say a lot of sugar on your back, <laughs> and at times that can lead you to playing distracted football. So I'm with you. It's a classic trap game, and the maturity of this team, though and the, really the clutch gene that I've talked about with this team, they do have the clutch gene, hopefully that kicks in here in this game because the maturity factor is, guys, we have worked so hard. We've been focused. We've dedicated ourselves, committed ourselves, and now all of our goals are in front of us. This is what all the hard work is about. We've basically put ourselves in a position to accomplish everything that we set out to accomplish before the season started, maybe other than being undefeated. You can't do that. But in terms of winning the Big 12 title, and winning a national title that's still out there yeah. there's a there's a path gentlemen to the college football playoff for Texas football, and it is not some, you know, really perplexing, you know, kind of labyrinth, if you will. No, it's a clear path. A Florida State with a backup quarterback now, because their starting quarterback is out for the season. If they lose, you're in. Um, you know, you got Michigan and Ohio State playing, but Michigan's got a scandal they got to deal with. Who knows what could come down from the NCAA or the college football playoff committee and how that works out. So there are more than one or two ways where it could work out in Texas' favor. Who knows what's going on with the Pac-12 where they can have a clear path to the playoff, and all they got to do is take care of business and win out. So I, I think how could you become distracted? It happens. Happened to us. <laughs> we actually played a big 12 title game, got beat by Colorado. Happened to us when we were playing Texas Tech late in the year in 2002, and we were a double-digit win team and could have gone to the BCS. So trust me, somebody that's been in that position, it can happen.
0: And you, and you played <laughs> Don't those- let it be you. You played those Thanksgiving week games that were early. Is, is there more distractions this week? Are there more distractions than usual?
1: Yes, but I think they'll be fine because ours, we had distractions because the families in town, it's the holidays and all that in a short week. But it was a It was the Aggies. Yeah. Right? So, you got – it's was a rival week. And I'm not saying the 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 Red Raiders are in a rival, but considering all the trash talk, the build-up, the bulletin board material, and last year – temporarily just for the farewell tour, they should be, if you're a lone one, you should be prioritized (laughs) as a a rival or treated like that. Kind of how Iowa State was treated like that by Texas. why Texas came out after the game. You saw the guys tweeting about Iowa State and taking shots at Iowa State, even Steve Sarkeesian, because that meant a lot. That disrespect that Jared Hufford threw out there before the game it, it it really did it hit those them. guys. It, it focused it, them. It made them personal. It made it, it made personal. It, personal yeah. it made it personal. This set game should be personal. Yeah. Just like when I when I played the Aggies in the short weeks, Thanksgiving week, it didn't matter because it was personal.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, we'll see. What, I, I think the crowd will be big. I mean, a lot of times oh, the students go be, home for Thanksgiving, yeah. so the the student section is not as big. Uh, I think this one might be a little bit different. I'd also say to your path to the college football playoff, don't so forget Washington and Oregon are on a collision course for playing in the Pac-12 championship game where they have to meet again, right? Washington beat them the first time. Who would you root for in that game? If you're a Texas fan, who do you root for in a rematch Washington or one-loss Oregon?
1: Damn. Okay, that's great. Because Washington, undefeated teams going in no matter what. Yes, out of
0: the Pac-12 with all the ranked teams they have this year. (sighs) I think they would go in. But if Oregon wins, that may put them ahead of you because they're already ahead of you. And it would solidify that because right. Yeah, as of this morning, Oregon doesn't have a win over a ranked team. I know, and I think that.
1: Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's a good question. E, I don't. I don't actually know.
0: I don't either. Uh, and, of course, if you're Ohio State-Michigan, someone's going to lose that game. But, you know, does Ohio State remain ahead of Texas if they are a one-loss team? Okay, Texas.
1: And my thing is, if
0: you're Texas, you want to be the
1: best one-loss team. Yes. Yes. So, I'm going to say Washington winning is better for Texas. Yes. Because you just want to eliminate every one-loss team except for you. Because they, they're not going to put a lot of one-loss teams in there.
0: Well, you, could, you don't want to do spec- that. You could, have, Go ahead, well, you could have Oregon State beat Oregon this weekend. And then Oregon beat Washington. In the, in the Yeah, that would, championship. That, uh, would be, that would be ideal. That would be the best case scenario. Yeah, the civil, what is that, the yeah. Civil War this week with Oregon, Oregon State, and it's it's really uncivil because they're breaking up, kinda like Bedlam, right? Because Oregon's leaving the conference to go to the Big Ten. Yeah. Oregon State left behind. They nearly beat Washington this week. So yeah, there's a lot of scenarios and they all have to play out. Now Louisville, you know, Florida State without their quarterback Jordan Travis, they're yeah. gonna have to play Louisville in the ACC championship. They still gotta play after Mike? they play Florida.
1: Florida, that's right, Florida. Yeah, yeah rivalry Grand weekend Mertz. this yeah. weekend.
0: Graham merch for Florida out for the year as well. So Florida will also have a oh, back. Both quarterbacks yeah. out. Yeah, uh, so we'll we'll that. play out those scenarios, but most importantly is uh, Tom Brady just implored to C.J. Stroud, be a pro. Stay focused. For now, this is your job, my friends. I love that. Uh, your job, Rod, is it's to give us a us. rant. Let's get the rant right here from Rod Babers, number two of, of a Monday.
1: All right. So uh, tonight you have what may be the best game of the season potentially uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles faced off against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm really excited about a Super Bowl rematch uh, from this uh, past Super Bowl, where the Eagles scored the most points by losing team in Super Bowl history. Uh, so hopefully we get something even uh, near or close uh, to what the uh, that was the a great Super Bowl was. by the way. Can we just yeah. say that that was oh, an awesome it, game? It really was. I said hopefully we get something even close to that. But I went I went and did some deep diving and got some stats about. So how often and we know now? How often you guys think we've had an actual Super Bowl rematch? Period, like a Super Bowl rematch that actually happened from the you know, I say rematch from the past Super Bowl. Um, when how how often has it happened?
0: Not many. Once. Just once. It's Cowboys and Steelers. It's the Cowboys and the Bills. Ooh, Cowboys.
1: Okay, yeah, early nineties. Cowboys and the Bills. That's your Super Bowl rematch. Isn't that crazy? Not only has there been just one Super Bowl rematch in NFL history, but there have only been two seasons where the teams were one playoff win away from it happening, and that was in nineteen seventy-one and seventy-two. But this, as E just mentioned, uh, you had that in the update, and you had it. I think early on, this is as good as. <clears throat> Two <clears throat> Super Bowl teams have been in the, uh, the the next season possibly on a collision course for a Super Bowl rematch. We haven't two, seen two Super Bowl teams look this good, Super Bowl uh, participants look this good in the next season.
0: It's the first time since 79 when through at least 10 weeks of the season both teams have the best record in their conference outright after week 10. So they were in the Super Bowl now 10, 10 or more weeks into the season they're the best team in their conference again. Yeah. 1979 Cowboys-Steelers, last time that happened. That's good. There you and go. Before that, it was 75 Vikings-Steelers.
1: That's a nice little factoid right there. Uh, okay, so you've had 112 teams that have participated in the Super Bowl. Um, 11 teams returned to win the Super Bowl the next year. <clears throat> 11 teams returned to win the Super Bowl next year, including eight repeat champions. 11 teams returned but lost the next Super Bowl including an 0-6 record for teams attempting a repeat. So, there you go. This means only 22 of the 112 teams returned to the Super Bowl where their record was Mm 11-11. How about that? (laughs) 11-11. Pretty split. And another little uh, factor as we're talking about Super Bowl rematches, from 1998 to 2014, there was not a single season where both Super Bowl teams from the previous year won at least one playoff game the next year. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. That is how – that's a lot of – it tells you how much parity there is in the NFL. Since 2008, there have been more Super Bowl winners that have missed the playoffs than Super Bowl losers. In fact, 11 of the last 14 teams to lose the Super Bowl made it back to the playoffs, including a Super Bowl win for the 2018 Patriots a year after losing to the Eagles. So uh, there you go. A little – some factoids about Super Bowl rematches. They are extremely rare, but this year – you might get one. This is, this could be the year you get a Super Bowl rematch. Be the first one since the uh, the Cowboys and, and the, the Cowboys Bills, I believe it was.
0: Uh, yeah. I I think again we're not to Thanksgiving yet. But if I had to pick it right now, Rod, I would pick Niners, but Niners Ravens in the Super Bowl just as we sit here today. That's I think would that you? was
1: my no. I think, I, I I think I pick Niners uh, Chiefs. Sorry, Niners Chiefs. I
0: would, would uh, but you know, again we're we're still speculating there. That would be my pick right now just based on what I've seen through the first you know, 10, 11 weeks of the season. Um, but then that would be a rematch of, what was that, the Superdome three? in New Orleans 2013? Yeah, it was like three years ago now? No, more than that. That was when it was the Harbaugh Bowl. Oh, yeah, you're talking about Jim and John Harbaugh, Harbaugh. Yeah, Ravens, yeah. I'm Niners. I'm
1: yeah, talking about my Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the 49ers. Yes. That would be, be a rematch from way away. Yeah.
0: But, uh, well, I, but again, both of these teams certainly could. I mean, Philadelphia's got to help shore up their – and the real, I mean, gosh, you just gave all the great reasons. But the fact that they're both off their bye and they yeah. both should be fresh and have extra, you know, a little juice going here. How healthy can Jalen Hurts have gotten during the, the week off? And, again, we know everybody in Cowboy land, Cowboy Nation, are rooting for the Chiefs tonight big time. Because if the Eagles were to take a loss, they'd be 8-2, and two and the Cowboys are now 7-3. and three. They could pull it within one game the Eagles in that division, which is where you want to be uh, as we hit uh, you know, Thanksgiving and into December, a uh, chance to chase them down for the, for the division championship. So go for the Chiefs tonight in a big way if you're a Cowboys fan.
1: Uh, speaking of the Chiefs, just real quick, we talked about this earlier in the show, and you've been bringing it up actually all season long for those who have not been paying attention to the Chiefs, maybe even you know, swept up any Taylor Swift, uh, mm-hmm. Travis Kelce. That's love another good
0: reason she won't be there tonight because that won't be as big a deal you right. Everybody's so Folks tired of that thing. the game, thing, yeah. yeah. let's make it about the game.
1: about – that's a good point. Maybe the parents will be there. so They'll be looking at that's the parents fine. or something. That's cool. Uh, but the Kansas City Chiefs have completely overhauled their defense. They started with the defensive back room, um, and they – remember, they drafted uh, – remember they drafted uh, Byron uh, Cook? In the second round, Trent McDuffie in the first round. They acquired Justin Reed via free agency. Um, now you're looking at it. every starter in the secondary except LeJarrius Sneed joined the team in 2022. And remember, in the Super Bowl, they had four rookies starting for them in the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, that was the most in Super Bowl history. It tied for the most in Super Bowl history for a Super Bowl winner. They had four rookie starters uh, in the last Super Bowl win and 61 starts for rookies, uh, which was, I think, the most starts for a Super Bowl winner since 1991, and a lot of that came on the defensive side of the ball, specifically in the secondary, and with that overhaul, kind of uh, with them kind of retooling that secondary and rebuilding it, is the fifth season under Steve Spagnola. and now they're a top-five defense. They're second in scoring defense. They're fourth in total defense. Uh, they're seventh in sacks. It's strange to say it, but they are a better defensive team than they are an offensive team right now. And really that has been, uh, I think, a a huge uh, focus for the Chiefs this past offseason was making sure that their defense actually was a a younger defense, but also one that they is more uh, modernized. Right, you look at it, Steve Spagnola's defense has played more dime than most teams in the NFL. They've had top five in dime usage, which is six defensive backs. They're uh, first in the NFL in press coverage rate. They play a lot of bump-and-run man coverage on the outside. That's going to be big in this matchup versus A.J. Brown and Devon Smith. We'll see if they keep that up. Um, but now Steve Spagnola's got his type of defense, and he's a, he's, he's a defensive uh, coordinator who likes to build his defenses from the outside in. Um, and that I means starting with the secondary and that's what he's done 11 of the 17 players that played in that game versus the Dolphins who had at least 10 snaps on defense Have been acquired in the last two years They've done a remarkable job of rebuilding the defense in just two years and Brett Beach does this He he'll take an entire position group and just overhaul it in one offseason. He did it with the O-line two years ago after they lost to the Bucks in the Super Bowl, and he did it with the secondary just last year, and he probably used to do it with wide receivers his next upcoming offseason, but it's remarkable how Brett Veach will focus all of his you know, energy and attention and resources on one position group and overhaul it in one offseason and get it done.
0: It's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, well said. Uh, and that's that's great general manager work, and it's also great coaching. They've got and I said earlier, uh, it, it's, it's it's a smart organizational direction to say, you know what, we have this transcendent quarterback. We've invested in our offensive line. Yes, we need to upgrade the weapons, but you know, we watched Tom Brady and Bill Belichick go to 10 Super Bowls because they played great defense yep. and they had an elite quarterback who was the best at his position who could win the game late, right, That's exactly who would right. find us a way to win games. Uh, and gosh, 10 Super Bowls, seven wins later, that's a dynasty, and that's yeah, I give them credit for. Because when Patrick Mahomes bruised on the scene, they were playing shootouts, and they were they
1: were I uh, remember that. they were just trying it's to like win. Big Twelve football,
0: like Big Twelve football, <laughs> it's like
1: old school Big Twelve football. And, and, and yeah.
0: No, 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 no. Let's let's let's. And that's where they retooled the salary cap. And you're asking where the money's going? I think they're going to go towards playing great defense. Seems like uh, and now you know, and some of the the, the draft picks they've made on like receiver have not panned out. The Sky Moore pick. Oh no. Um, you know the trade for Kad- Kadarius Tony. Oh, these things have just not worked. Uh, so you can't get them all right as a general manager, uh, but they did rebuild the offensive line on the fly. They have rebuilt the secondary. And The last time we saw the Chiefs, they were playing in Germany, and they held that high-flying Dolphins offense to 14 points. Yep. Uh, and they really locked up Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. They did a, as good a job as anybody can do on that team. And now they get the combination of A.J. Brown and yeah, Devontae they're Smith. They're
1: better defense than the Eagles. It's hard to say that now. Like, are they really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, they are <laughs> yeah. well because the Cowboy, or the Eagles are flawed in their defensive secondary. The opposite, mm-hmm. they give up a lot of passing yards. Zach Prescott put up 370 the last time we saw him. So this should be a fun game tonight. We've got good, bad, and ugly from the Monday. We'll get back to the uh, the season. Tavondre Sweat is putting together for the Longhorns. Rod, we'll uh, we'll send praises because he Phenomenal. might be playing as well as any defensive player in the country yeah. right now, regardless of team or conference. We'll talk about Tavondre and what he's brought to this team and what it means for the, the big picture of the program. And talk about with Ian Rod.
1: Aaron Hogan, Rod Beavers, up, 1019-AM-1260,
0: The Horn. It's trying to figure out the uh, Big 12's tiebreaker scenarios, Rod. Best I can glean on this, because we're getting a lot of questions about it. Most importantly, along with you have to win their game, and then they don't have to worry about it. That's exactly right. But then there will be the tiebreaker scenarios for who their opponent will be, right? I mean, that's, huh? that becomes the next phase. And so, I mean, it's mental gymnastics to try to figure it all out. And I guess the best – because, you know, our friend Alex Loeb over at Longhorn Network did a great job on Twitter of explaining, best he could, a three-way tiebreaker scenario between Texas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Yeah. But it doesn't take into account the K-State factor. Because if K-State – they don't have – in the bylaws, Rod, they do not have a four-way tie plan. Because you're talking about four teams for two spots. So you essentially have to find – you got to do the tiebreaker scenarios to get the first spot. Yeah, then you got to start back over and get the second spot. If that makes sense, it's such a mess.
1: It sounds yeah, it sounds like a headache.
0: Well, well, listen to this, and this is the best I can do for you. If Texas were to lose Friday, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both win, best I can tell, it becomes because K State lost to both Texas and K- and to Oklahoma State, so they win that. You know, Texas and Oklahoma State win that head to head against K State, so they're yeah. out. Okay, so then it's back down to Texas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, and here becomes the problem. This is where it gets bad for Texas, because the number one, you know, the the, the, the first thing they would do is a three-team tiebreaker. Okay, okay, to find the first team, to find the the first team into the championship. That uh, that is win percentage versus highest finishing common opponent. That common opponent is Iowa State. Okay, UT and OU both beat Iowa State. Oklahoma State lost. So, Oklahoma is in. Okay. In the three way scenario, Rod. Yeah. Well, as the number one seed. Confusing. Well, right. now, okay, it's very confusing. <laughs> now, because you have Oklahoma in and Kansas State's been eliminated, it's down to Texas and Oklahoma State. Okay. Who have not played. They're both 7 and 2 if Texas loses and Oak State wins. The two way tiebreaker, because now you're done with a three way tiebreaker. Now you're down to a two way tiebreaker between those two for the second spot. That is record versus highest ranked common opponent.
1: Okay.
0: Texas and Oklahoma State didn't play, so they go to that. That moves uh record versus highest ranked common opponent. Oklahoma State beat OU. Texas lost to OU. Okay. So that would put Oklahoma State in. Does that make sense? As, yeah. as much as I can.
1: No, I do it makes it makes sense, but yeah.
0: It's a mess. Multiple and, teams.
1: You yeah. don't want to be involved in that
0: mess. No. Uh and it's it you know, they're if it's not good for Texas because what would end up happening is you would come down to that Oklahoma game. And Oklahoma it would be get in first by the by, by virtue of the three-way tie. So they'd be in, and then it comes down to between head-to-head head between Texas and Oklahoma State, who didn't play, and then it goes to record versus highest-ranked common opponent. That common opponent is Oklahoma. Texas lost to them. Oklahoma beat them. And that would put Oklahoma State in and play. It would be a bedlam game in the championship. Yeah, man. You don't don't want, lose.
1: Don't, yeah, it. you don't want to be involved in that mess. It'd be Brett Yarmark's fantasy. He'd be really happy about this. <laughs> Texas ended up losing to Texas Tech. Out of all the teams, after he cracked jokes down there at the uh, what was it Texas Tech was a luncheon or something down there, some weird yes. a- event in Lubbock where he decided to crack a joke. And I get it. He was, you know, playing to his constituents. He was reading the room. I get it. But still, uh, man, Texas, yeah, just win, just win. Don't have to worry about that. I think you'll see Gundy though. I think the way it's working out, it's gonna be Gundy. It's going to be – and I think it's fitting. I mean, you, Texas is talking about the farewell tour. They're exercising all these demons, right, on their way out of the Big 12. So hopefully they don't – because the truth is we all know Texas in the Big 12 has largely underachieved as a football program, right? I think Texas has not had a, in my opinion, necessarily a great tenure in the Big 12. They haven't, especially in the oh, last –
0: underachieving 13 tenure.
1: 13 to 15 years, yeah, for the most part. So now on your way out the Big 12 – fair world tour you want to win uh the big 12 uh, Iris the last big 12 title for that you have a chance to win that'd be great that'd be you know uh, the irony there would be fantastic and it'd be satisfying for long fans but i think it also would be fitting that you got to play gundy on your way out right you had to play k-state you know what k-state and the purple crypt the final meant? revenge TCU. tour yeah iowa state of course uh you know what iowa state has meant in terms of they're a uh, five-star culture versus the five-star players. So that's fitting that you close the door on Iowa State on your way out in Ames. Uh, so I think it's there, and I wish you'd have got another shot at Oklahoma, but you'll get another shot at Oklahoma. Of course, they go to the SEC We're talking about in Big 12 play. But either way, I think because Gundy has been a thorn in your side, and we all know Gundy's a hell of a ball coach, I think it's also fitting that you got to beat that dude on your way out.
0: I know because you know, I've talked to a lot of Longhorn fans who would prefer to play Oklahoma and get another shot at them, avenge your loss. Yes. Uh, same time, but you want to win the there. Big 12 championship. Yeah. Oklahoma's best built to beat you, right? Yes, we know that. they are. And Oklahoma State's built around a running game, and Ollie Gordon, the third, and if they can't run the ball, they struggle. Yeah. You match Texas up stuffs the run. You match up really Texas well. Texas just them. held Iowa State to nine yards yeah. on nine, 21 carries. <laughs>
1: nine yards. Nine. Nine yards?
0: You play defense, right? That's incredible, man. I don't
1: give a damn who you're playing. You may be playing against the mother, the sisters of the poor, and and the school of the blind. It doesn't matter, man. You tell somebody the nine yards rush, That's that's impressive. Yeah. That's by impressive.
0: the way, uh, as far as we should give the answer, anth- all three teams we're talking about that are in a two-loss team, they play at home this weekend. K-State hosts Iowa State Saturday night. Oklahoma State hosts BYU at Boone Pickens Stadium at two thirty. Oklahoma mm-hmm. will play TCU on Friday at uh, 11 a.m. in Norman. So Longhorns will know what Oklahoma does before they even kick off on Friday night. Uh, Then the next day you'll sit back and watch the other two. So handle your business and you're in, and that's all that matters at this point for the Longhorns. And can I say to, on the way to the break, we talked about Tavondre Sweat, and we were going to talk about him. Uh, Pro football focus grade for Tavondre Sweat, Rod? Give it to me. On Saturday, 89.8. Byron Murphy graded out 89.1.
1: And he, you know, we were talking about that. You brought up the Outland Trophy semifinalists yes. uh, last week, and talked about how he. I think you said one of two D tackles on that list. Yeah, the Illinois so DT is this?
0: the only. Everybody else's offensive line.
1: Um, and I said if a D lineman's gonna win it, he needs some splash plays, you need a few plays where they can make a couple of highlights out there. He had a couple of those in this game for South State. He had the block kick. He had that pass deflection, which was pretty awesome. He had a couple of those splash plays. Hard to get those at D tackles And he pretty.
0: also had that uh, go back to the K State game where he nearly had an interception on the block. Yeah, they had the Goal yeah, wide that stand. Was, that was nice. So he's got some good B roll. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you yeah. know, in addition to the, uh, in addition to the. Outland Trophy, I think he's going to be up for the Lombardi Award too. That makes sense. That big block of granite they hand out down in Houston. And don't forget, that's the Rotary Club of Houston that gives away that award. So they're close, and they can, they're paying attention to T-Sweat and what he's doing. But, Rod, he's got almost a 90, 90 PFF grade for the year uh, in the big game where he is called out. You know, he and that line were called out by another player on the other team. I still can't believe it. Still can't believe it. Uh, those guys went out and shoved it in his face. I mean, um,
1: against that guy, T. Sweat, the pass deflection he got was against that dude. When he got the block kick, it was also against that dude. Ed Byron Murphy's sack to end the game was against that dude. And It was like, Jared, what are you doing, man? Why'd you talk all the trash if you was gonna get exposed out there? Maybe I think in the end, all those who theorize, you know what? It's just insecurity, and he's just projecting his insecurity out there. This is all false bravado. This is this is, this is fake tough guy stuff. I think they're right. Uh, he was really that he was saying that because he was, I think, paranoid. He well, probably he probably had just watched the film on him and came out there and said that because he was freaked out. He's trying to he's trying to pump himself up, yeah, get himself
0: hyped. Well, and like, look, you know. and there are great defensive players in in the uh, in the country, but I don't know that there's anyone that's played as good as him consistently all year. Mm. And let me also give credit to Bo Davis and to Pete Kwiatkowski and Sark and their plan. Do it. He only played 36 snaps the other 38 snaps against Iowa State, mm-hmm. right? So the the fact that they have depth and Trill Carter and, and, you know, Alfred Collins, by the way, had a 78 grade from PFF on Saturday. He played a real I good will. game. Yep. So the fact that they can bring in Vernon Broughton and bring in Trill Carter and bring in Alfred Collins to spell these guys, and, you know, it's a different-looking pocket when those guys are in there versus the, the two monsters. But it does keep them fresh for the most important drives, right? Uh, and that's that that's tw- credit fourth for the quarter. Yeah, when it's most important and they, they can play their best football and they're not tired. Uh, and out of gas, and, I mean, Tavondre goes 364, so i uh, got to get him some, some blows at times. But I would say this, think about this, with Sark saying that, uh, you know, borrowing the, Matt, the Brees Hall comment about five-star culture beats five-star players, and Sark said we now have five-star players with a five-star culture. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy were both Tom Herman recruits, mm-hmm. and they were both three-star recruits. They weren't high five star recruits, right? They were three star yeah. dudes. Uh, you know, Tavondre was seen as a po- a project out of Huntsville because it was his weight was going to be a factor, and would could he be athletic enough and get that weight under control? Byron Murphy was seen as undersized coming out of Desoto. Uh, but man, these two guys that 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 gives you a great peek into what Sark has done to to take the Tom Herman guys, embrace them, get them bought into the culture. Got to. And now they're playing like five star players. Mm-hmm. And now you you combine that with five star players playing like five star players, Rod. There was a series where Quinn Ewers a five star, you know, handed it to CJ Baxter as a five star running behind Kelvin Banks as a five star. You know that, that that that's and then when you have the the culture around that, that's why you're playing for a championship potentially in two weeks.
1: Yep, totally agree. And 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 you got to give the uh, the players credit. Because, like you said, those guys he inherited from Tom Herman's group, man, they saw all the bad. They went through all the, the low points and the valleys of the program went through, uh, losing to Kansas and the, the late game collapses. That group, who actually they're partly responsible for, you know, Texas hitting that that low point, um, they also are responsible for Texas now ascending to the best season since 2009. Yeah. And that's what I. that to me is as a – A lifetime longhorn makes me emotional. I'm really proud of these guys because they were part of the bad. I mean, they were part of what, you know, I mean, what this program was, uh, you know, obviously suffering from, right? The entitlement and all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying they were, they were. The problem, but they were a part of it. You gotta own it. When you're a part of a team, you own the team. You own yeah. what happens on that team. You own the product. I own the bad stuff that happened to us. I heard all the time on the radio. You guys hear me? You gotta own that. That's my team. They're my brothers. We own that result, and they gotta own that too. But also, a part of that is the redemption, right? It, this, this group staying focused, and now this group decided that they want to leave the program better than they found it. Well, it's a big part of the legacy and tradition of being a lifetime longhorn. Leave it better than you found it, man.
0: Yeah, in preseason, Jalen Ford was picked as the Big 12's defensive player of the year, Devondre Sweat, likely to win that award. And I think he'd be the first interior lineman in the Big 12 to win that since Dabak and Sue. I going to say Sue, yeah.
1: That's when be Sue is so, was such yeah. a
0: game record. He's playing to that level right now up front, and it's a well, great thing. And, I th- and I'll give Sark this credit, Rod. Because remember when Tom Herman came in, the first thing he told Charlie Strong's players? You just got a lot of good coaches fired. You actually blame the players, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember that. Sark, yeah. Tark, Sark took the opposite tack, which, again, the players, you have to own their part of it, but at the same time, it's everybody. It's everybody uh, the, the coaches have to build the culture. They everybody. have to recruit and develop, mm-hmm. and this, uh, it's all coming together for Texas. and uh, Winning the close ones now. This is a 10-point win for Texas. Let's come back and hit some Who Said That, Rod, from around it? the sports landscape. Always a fun segment for the top of the, uh, the 10 o'clock in our fabulous fifth hour on a Monday. Uh, who said that next? The Horn Text Line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn Text Line. 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B on the
1: Horn. Ooh,
0: and this, and that. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said it? A lot of uh, good sound from the weekend. I don't know if you saw that uh, F one race rod in Vegas on Saturday uh, night. I did not see. I watched a little bit of it. It started about ten o'clock, and I watched okay. a little bit of it. And uh, Max Verstappen won it. Um, craziness there at F one. We had a great football weekend, basketball with the Longhorns, and uh, we also had some news made yesterday by one Jerry Jones, Rod. Jared
1: Uh, Jared Jones.
0: I think you might know who said that after you hear who Jerry Jones was talking to yesterday afternoon, right before the Cowboys played the Carolina Panthers. Who said it, Rod? I want you to know something. On December the 30th of 1923, you're going in the Dallas Cowboy ring. I hope it's it's 20-something. I hope it's 2023. Yeah, what did I say, 2023. Well, it, wow. it is 2023. <laughs> no, I know want to get this real clear. Okay? <laughs> three weeks from now. Four weeks from now. Let me just say this. A lot of people have talked about the tension between us. When we went to the Cowboys, we were both working around the clock, and we talked every single day. We communicated back and forth. And Jerry and I talked about this just not too long ago. We never disagreed on anything no and it it was tight boy uh, listen we were losing a million a month in cash flow and i'd had to buy part of the cowboys from the fdic they'd been foreclosed on yeah it was tight and you really didn't know for sure how this thing was going to turn out and frankly uh, I had, as a matter of fact, when you signed your contract, it was, was signed by the Cowboys, right? And I reached over and I said, Jimmy, that's not worth the paper it's written on. I don't think the Cowboys can pay. So I signed the contract for it at that All right, there you go. Who said that, Rod? That's Jerry, Jarrah. Jarrah Jones. How about that? We didn't have any money. I was paying you that's, out of my own pocket. Huh. Cowboys were foreclosed on essentially, it's uh, but man. and how about Jerry with the slip? The uh, December thirtieth, nineteen twenty three. Man, that's like a hundred years ago, Jerry.
1: <laughs> Jerry's like that was my youth. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was in my. Congrats prime.
0: to Jimmy Johnson. Long, long no, overdue. Oh
1: man, that should have happened a while. I, I can't, I can't wait to see the celebration. I'm sure they'll have it. You can stream it or something like that if they don't like air. That'll it be TV. a good
0: day. I mean, it's a great. Yeah. It's a, you know Dan Campbell and the Lions are the opponent on. December 30th, 2023, yeah. last couple of days of the year. But, That'll you know, cool. you know, all the Ring of Honor members oh, that are still man. living will be there. Well, the I, triplets even, will be there. But all even,
1: even everybody who's not in the Ring of Honor that played with Jimmy is going to be trying to oh, get yeah. out there too. So that's yeah, going to be yeah. a star-studded affair, man. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, all right, uh who said that? I sent you a couple just to uh, dial one of them up. Who said that? Did
0: uh, you use the same height? I don't mean that, you know. Oh, no. Yeah. Look, there's some good stuff that he did. Um. <laughs> uh,
1: that was who said that? who said? I don't know. Uh, that was Brian Devel. He was asked uh, – you he couldn't hear the question. He was asked by the reporter, um, how, has, how has Tommy DeVito grown? Brian Davis responds, he's still the same height.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, then he got he's he got jokes.
1: Yeah, he's got jokes. I guess uh, considering how bad they were playing, I guess you've got to enjoy the win. So, so Tommy DeVito um, with a big win for them. You You hear he's still staying with his parents?
0: Yeah, he's still living in his parents. But it's in New Jersey just... where he grew up. Oh, that's amazing. Not making a lot of money. New York's expensive to live, Rod. He's a third string quarterback.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. That's, you got starting quarterbacks in New York and in San Francisco where the rent is so expensive where they either have roommates or they live with their parents still. And they play in the National Football League. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> like, that's how crazy uh, rent is in those places.
0: So. Hey, can we hear uh, who said this, Rod? I think you'll like this one. It's a, it's a question and then another answer.
2: When did you think about coaching? I thought about coaching after the lockout year. So,
1: really? Yeah, after the lockout year, I was able to go back to my high school and start helping out, and ended up coaching defense for my high school during spring ball. And I fell in love with the, with coaching. Right? I thought you? I was just helping out, but I would be up late drawing up blitzes
2: <laughs> for all the kids
1: and making sure everybody had a blitz. And that was and the way they accepted me, right? In the way they just. Have fun again, that's, and I think that's where I got my style from, like going back to high school. High school. In that lockout year, yeah. I was like, man, football is supposed to be like this, like high school. It's just you're, you're with your guys, you're just having fun. playing.
0: There you go. Ooh,
1: actually, I'm not sure. Is that Antonio Pierce? Who's that?
0: That's D'Amico. That's D'Amico. That's M-ico. our coach. That's D'Amico Ryan.
1: Wow, love that. Interviewed by M-ico. Bill
0: Cower on CBS Sports pregame show yesterday, yeah. That's fact,
1: cool. I like that. It's a good story.
0: And they they play like a high school team sometimes, man. They show like like c- camaraderie, uh, character, oh, yeah. play together.
1: Well, I just love that D'Amico. You know, in the analytical era that we live in, and I'm sure he has a a, a data science data science department. But that he says, no, I'm, I'm still about the film. Like I just we watch the film. We we make all of our decisions based on how players perform on the field and the film that we watch. Uh, it goes to why they drafted C.J. Stroud and his S2 cognition test never came up or was an issue with them. Um, and also the way he comes up with game plans and the way they coach C.J. Stroud It's not analytically driven. And it doesn't analytically make sense the way they build the offense around him. They build his offense around his strengths and basically who he is on the field yeah. as a player.
0: Well, and I'll give D'Amico credit. It was, you know for the first, We saw some human tendencies from C.J. Stroud. He threw those three picks yesterday, two in the red zone. And one came late. They're up. trying to hold on to a five-point lead, which was the margin of victory. Kyler Murray had two chances to take them down, and the defense stamped up. And on the final series, he brought the pressure. On two back-to-back plays, brought the house Hmm. and dared Kyler to beat him. They knocked one down, and then one ball was underthrowed. I mean, that's his style, man. We're coming. We're bringing the heat.
1: Yeah. We're not going to lay back back here. No. You ain't going to sit back there comfortably. (laughs) No. Uh,
0: That was big because the previous two weeks, the offense had to bail out the defense in Houston. This week the defense got the stops and they're now six and four. And Rod, Sunday noon play at they play host Jacksonville for first so place. Down. First place in AFC South. Who would have thought that nice. when this season began? Cowboys are hoping to get closer to first place too with the Eagles win tonight or loss tonight. We'll come back. Final fabulous fifth hour coming next.